This CTN Brandcast is brought to you by Gardacore. This is CTN Brandcast on CIO Talk Network. This is a sponsored program, and CTN does not endorse the mentioned products or services. All views and opinions are those of the sponsor, its staff, and management. Welcome, listeners. This is Sanjur Gaul, your host, and the topic for our conversation is Rethinking Segmentation for Better Security. So segmentation is not new for security leaders and architects, but the flat enterprise networks make it very hard and tedious to implement, leaving business-critical applications at greater risk with the compliance costs staying very high. Can we do better? Are there new and promising approaches for implementing segmentation? Are the related technology tools keeping pace with the dynamic shifts in the security management needs? How can we operationalize segmentation technologies for the best outcome? To discuss it, joining me is Ariel Zetlin. Ariel is the CTO and co-founder at Guardicore, a company specializing in security solutions for cloud and software-defined data center environments. Hello, Ariel. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, so let's start with the first question I'll have for you is how well is segmentation, the subject of segmentation, understood and implemented by the security community? And also, I was curious, why is segmentation becoming so important now? Yeah, so segmentation is, I think, one of the oldest concepts in security. The logic is simple. You break down your network into segments and then force some sort of access control between the segment to a firewall. I mean, that's what firewalls will build to do. The benefits are clear and simple to understand. You have the higher level of segmentation you have, meaning the smaller segments, the attack surface is reduced, and the impact of a potential breach is limited to the size of the segment. But while it's not a new topic, a few things have changed significantly in the recent years. I think the first being uh, is that enterprise infrastructure has become more diverse. There are cloud, fast, bare metal, virtualization, and each of those means there's introduction of new attack surface, and this happens fast. The second thing that changed is that regulation becomes more specific, and it's asked for uh, segmentation, and there are compliance standards that require segments to be very small, sometimes as small as a single application. Look at PCI DSS or or, uh, Swift CSP regulation and, and then similar. And the third thing that changed, in my opinion, is that the presence of the attacker inside a data center is kind of acknowledged now. And uh, the risk on the business continuity due to that, uh, of the fact that the networks are relatively flat and unsegmented, is on everybody's mind. So those three create sort of a sense of urgency now and push organizations to segment more. Internal auditors and compliance are requiring to segment more. And to emphasize that, there's a recent Citigroup survey that asked a couple of hundreds of CISOs what was their priorities for, for this year. And number one was cloud, but inside the cloud, firewall and segmentation were two out of five priorities. And another example, the House of Representatives shared a, a report on the Equifax breach, which I think everybody in the security community knows. And the re- report pointed out the lack of internal segmentation as one of the key gaps that allowed the impact of the breach to be so big. So I think. While it's not a new concept, it's becoming more and more important now because of all of those uh, things that I mentioned. Now, let's talk about the tools. So how have the tools evolved to keep pace with this morphing uh, security management needs? What do you see still missing? 
Yeah, so again, segmentation is basically a problem we would expect a firewall to solve. That's what, again, they were built to do. Put your the relevant machines from one segment to a dedicated VLAN, route it through a firewall. Uh, well, I think that that was fine when the infrastructure was relatively uniform. You had some bare metals and, and then some virtualized environment. And the segments would be somewhat big and static, which is something they can manage with firewalls on VLAN. But today, uh, it doesn't look like that anymore, and it doesn't work anymore. And the reason is that the infrastructures today include not just bare metal virtual environment, but also includes cloud and containers, sometimes more than one cloud provider, sometimes more than one virtualization provider inside an organization. So the infrastructure is more complex. Applications span, in many cases, all the infrastructure. So creating a VLAN across this complex infrastructure becomes very, very complex. And the second thing that makes the VLAN approach more uh, challenging is that the cadence of a change in the application is very, very high. And it impacts the dependencies and thus it impacts the policies. Those are the two things that I think that making the traditional approach not very fit to, to, the, uh, to the needs. Now, I'll give you a specific example of one of our customers. It's a global investment bank that needed to comply with a new regulation by SWIFT. SWIFT is a provider of software that helps banks exchange money. This is how banks transfer money between them. And this regulation uh, requires to put all SWIFT servers into a separate segment and whitelist all the connections in and out of it. It's very common to like the specific financial services applications. The footprint of an application across the bank is not big. In this specific case, it's around 100 servers, a bit less. But it still took them around 10 months to accomplish. And here's why Here's how they described why it took so much time. So first, they needed to create a new VLAN across all of their data centers, across all of their switches, and across all of their infrastructure. And this task was very tedious for the networking team. The different types of switching equipment to configure a Cisco here and Arista there, and in, in, in something different in, in the cloud. And they, to, to architect, to implement this change, and, and it just took a lot of you know, networking uh, people effort. And also they need, in some locations, they needed to actually buy new networking equipment and, and cabling. So it made it even more, even harder. So once they were done with the VLAN, uh, the next thing they needed to do is to move the application to the new VLAN. And this, was, this required additional few things to accomplish. First, they needed, some, they needed to shut the application down, which means it's one of the most important applications in the bank for, from the business perspective. So they needed to choose a specific time in, in their, their where the impact would be smaller. And another thing that was kind of complex is that when they moved the application, some of the IPs actually changed when they moved it to the new VLAN. So you would, the, they needed to find all those places where the IPs are maybe hard-coded. So from the application team, this was a very scary and very tedious task to identify all of it. So, so this is why it took a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of preparations to do this. And uh, again, I'm, I'm going back, it's, it's, it's just hundreds of servers. So what happens if the, the, the bank can have, actually have hundreds and thousands of those applications? So this process is not even converging. And I think this kind of explains why uh, also it's, it's a known technique and uh, it's something that people are used to do, but the way regulation works and to, the way environments are built today, this is a very, very difficult task to do with traditional tools.
So let's talk about some of the new or promising approaches that may be available for implementing segmentation, which you feel somebody should consider. What would those be? Yeah, so on a very high level, I think the logical approach to solve all of these challenges is to distribute the file. I mean, instead of creating VLANs and routing the traffic through firewall choke points that are challenged by the complexity of networking inside the hybrid environments and so on, all the challenges we described before, the idea is to virtually distribute the file and, and instead of bringing the workload to the firewall, kind of bringing the firewall to the workload. And the local firewall will enforce the policy relevant to the specific workload. And if the implementation is good, it will also follow the workload across the infrastructure. So if it uh, migrates with, across different racks or it moves to the cloud, as long as the implementation is good, uh, the policy can actually travel with the machine. So this is a kind of logical level. In practice, there are two types of actual implementations. First type is the kind of infrastructure-based segmentation. And it's usually provided by the infrastructure vendors. And in this implementation, the, the infrastructure vendor uh, will implement the distributed firewall as part of, the, of its product, part of the infrastructure. And it also provides some nice user interface to manage the policy across this distributed firewall. The advantages of this approach is that it's part of the infrastructure. And it means that while you deploy the infrastructure, you deploy new switches or you deploy, say, VMware uh, solution, you, you also deploy this micro-segmentation technology in the same manner. The second advantage is that it's sometimes bundled into other infrastructure packages, so it can be cheaper uh, for you to buy. There are a few disadvantages, but I mostly I think if you have enough interesting workloads outside the control of this specific infrastructure, the solution doesn't cover that. So if you are all of your interesting infrastructure, let's say on 90, 95% of your interesting workloads are inside this infrastructure control, that you should definitely consider at least this approach. But if you have more than that, a lot of risk will be left on the table uh, and will not be addressed by this approach. The second approach is uh, what sometimes is called an overlay approach. And it's usually provided by independent vendors. It usually means there is some sort of an agent that runs on the workload and implements the local firewall feed. The main advantages are is that, as expected, it's truly infrastructure agnostic. It will uh, at least theoretically solve the coverage issue in a very elegant way. All your workloads on-prem, in the cloud, in pass are covered by the same technology in the same manner. The second is that in many cases, it's cheaper to start with. Let's say you have very big infrastructure, but the most important applications for the next couple of years that you actually want to segment maybe like just 20% of your infrastructure. So using an overlay approach, you can deploy the technology only there and focus only on them, and this will be cheaper, significantly cheaper to implement. And uh, those are the main advantages. But and, and I think from the disadvantages, I think one of the major is that it relies on agent being installed on the workloads. And this may require a longer vetting process in the organization to make sure they don't harm the application. But if you look at all the vendors in this space, they kind of fall into those two categories. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Ariel, when we come back, would love to understand the different critical parameters or aspects one must keep in mind when you are evaluating these new approaches or technologies and even comparing or when you're comparing related technology vendors. So listeners, please stay tuned, we'll be right back. 
The IT world has evolved enterprises to accelerate innovation and better meet business initiatives. But with the constantly changing IT environments, protecting your most critical assets is vital. Are you armed to deal with the greater complexity, new vulnerabilities, and broadened attack surfaces? At Gardecore, we exist to protect your company's most critical information technology systems using flexible, quickly deployed, and easy to understand micro segmentation controls. Our solutions provide a simpler, faster way to guarantee persistent and consistent security. For any application in any IT environment, protect the things that matter most, maximize your speed, minimize your risk, manage security on your terms. Gardecore, critical assets, simply secured anywhere. Find out more at Gardecore.com. Visit today. This is CTN Brandcast on CIO Talk Network. Welcome back, listeners. So, uh, Ariel, when we are considering these new approaches and the technologies that you mentioned, what would be some of those critical aspects and parameters one must keep in mind? And also, how would one go about comparing even related technology vendors? That's a good question. I think uh, one thing to keep in mind when you're comparing approaches or even uh, vendors that are the same approach is the most important thing is simplicity and time to actually getting to policy in production. This is the most important thing, and all the selections should be made based on, on, on this factor. From our experience, three, three kind of properties or three factors are the most important and impact the simplicity and time to policy the most. First is coverage. Will the solution be able to work in all the environments I have now or I will have in the future? So make sure you understand this well. Missed coverage will probably mean that you will need to you will either re, leave risk on the table or will need to run another tool and manage uh, policies across two different tools, which, which is really impractical. So coverage is number one. Second is how flexible is the policy engine and will the policy engine allow me to easily express what I want to achieve? And I, I'll give you an example. So most of the vendors, some vendors support uh, whitelist approach, some vendors support blacklist approach or a mix of uh, whitelist and blacklist. So you need to think really well on what type of policy you would like to apply. If you only want to create a few segments right across your data center and completely whitelist all the connections that can get in and out of the segment and say all the rest is not allowed, probably a whitelist approach is, is good enough for you. But if you also like uh, to say things like, I don't want my databases to access the internet directly, or I want to make sure that a server is uh, connected by SSH only if the SSH connection is coming from a Jambox or from some audited uh, machine. Those are not whitelist kind of policies. That's much easier to express in, in, in a blacklist approach. So. Think really well on what do you want to implement and make sure that the uh, policy engine of the vendor can actually support it. And by the way, if you do not know, you are not sure, we do suggest taking the, the most flexible policy engine. The third thing that impacts the simplicity and the time to policy is the UX of uh, setting the policy. In our experience, by the way, this is the one thing that impacts the time to project delivery the most. 
how simple it is to understand your applications and their dependencies, how simple it is to understand what the segment should look like and what the policies between the segments should look like, and how easy is the, in simple the workflow for setting the policy and tuning it. Usually, this will require some sort of a visibility tool that will give you an idea of how the traffic looks like, and most of the vendors actually provide it. But make sure that you get exposed to this part of the product enough to understand how simple it will be with hundreds and thousands of servers that you will have in your environment. Ask the vendor to demo this step-by-step or play with the product. Like Try to really understand how it will look, not in a demo that the vendor gives to you on a call, but actually try to understand how it will look in your environment. There are more, but I, we found those three coverage, the flexibility of the engine and uh, the user experience and the workflow to be the most fundamental for the success of the project. Now, let's talk about operationalizing these technologies. What's the most effective way of doing it? And if you were to build kind of a playbook, what would be the first steps in that playbook? I think this is a very important question and and actually not a very simple one to answer in a few minutes, but as many aspects are involved into this, I'll, I'll touch on the most important ones that I feel are responsible for most of the failures or delays that we've seen. First, you need to identify your goals, milestones, and timelines, like a, any project that is well managed. Some of the milestones and goals will be driven by some sort of a compliance deadline. Others will be driven some by some internal priorities and initiatives like, this is my most important application with the biggest exporter. I would like to start with it first, and I want to finish it like in three months. And there are many other approaches like aiming first at some low-hanging fruits. I gave you this uh, example of a customer who wanted to make sure that all the SSH connections to the server are only allowed if it go f- if they go through a jump box because he considered this to be the most burning risk for him. I, I actually do like this low-hanging fruit uh, approach first because it gives a great way to show ROI fast and accelerate the internal technology adoption. I really believe in this. So Identifying, managing this as a project with goals and milestones and timeline, I think this is a very important thing to start with. If you don't have a good plan, it can be delayed, dragged. Management will start asking, start asking, why do we have this technology purchased and deployed for six months that we still have no significant risk reduction implemented? The second thing is you need to figure out the responsibility model. And depending on the organization, the responsibilities of who is going to manage this distributed firewall is actually shift. And the reason is that today, in many cases, the networking team is the team that is responsible of managing the firewalls. As we have seen, there's a lot of networking indeed involved in this process. You need to create VLANs and so on. But with this new technology, networking people are not really part of the play in a way. Uh, so the responsibility can a shift to the security, security operations, or even application owners or DevOps. So you'll need to figure out what will work in your organization, who will be in charge of deploying the technology and making sure it's bundled with the deployment of any new server, who will be in charge of suggesting, approving, tuning the policies. In some cases, different policies will be set by different teams. We have customers where like global policies, such as you know, access to organizational resources are managed by the security team. And the dependencies of each application are managed by the application owners themselves, where the security just review them. This is, in fact, common. Without cleaning and understanding really well how the ownership will be for this technology, the project may even fail to start. And 
if you're not able to answer your CIO the question, who will own it, who will uh, manage it, he may be right in not approving it. So there are many best practices here of if my best advice, if you have a peer that the organization is similar to you, go ask them how they implemented this. It will be probably the best shortest path to, to the truth. But there's also a lot of material online to, to understand how it might work for you. So this is the second one, the responsibility model. I think the third one is automation. I think automation is the way now IT applications are delivered and so needs to the security. Things that change very fast, and if you fail to automate processes that are affected by those changes, you'll be chasing your own tail here. And uh, here's an example of what I mean. Let's say we have this Swift application from which we discussed earlier, and you want to put it in its own uh, segment. Properly set policy will apply to all the servers of uh, the Swift application, and uh, you will probably need to ident identify them and you know set the policy saying all. Swift servers that all servers that are part of the Swift application, this policy is applied to them. More, of, more often than not, you will rely on some sort of CMDB to identify those servers. Now, what happens if a new server is deployed? If you not automate the process of making sure that this server is known to the segmentation tools as part of the Swift application, usually by some sort of labeling or tagging, you will need to manually update the, the policy. So you need to automate that any new server that is introduced or any change that's done, that the kind of the policy and the and the tool knows about it and it's reflected in the policy change. There are many examples of what type of automations you are really deployed. It really depends on your own scenario. My best advice would be is you should really become allergic to anything manual because it will not scale with the dynamicity of how the applications and data centers look today. I think, you know, those are the three major ones, but overall it's a really important question. I wish I had a bit more time to discuss that. What some of the vendors sometimes do is some sort of a workshop, you actually like ask your vendor to better understand how they recommend uh, operationalizing that. But because in many of the organizations, this is the first time they're undergoing such a project with a different approach and the vendors probably will have the best expertise and experience. So what's ahead of the curve for security leaders as you see it, and how should the discipline of segmentation evolve in your view among other security areas to keep up? I think what's ahead of us is uh, even faster and more dynamic data center. There is more technologies that are you know, nascent today, like uh, containers, paths, serverless, and applications that change really fast. Business needs them in order to innovate and attract customers. And there's no way of stopping that, of course. But this also brings a potential of to invite new vulnerabilities and new attack surfaces unless they are addressed accordingly. And the only way for the security to kind of catch on this is to become part of this elite teams that are being formed along the organizations, which consist of networking and converged groups of networking system, uh, infrastructure, storage people, uh, DevOps, and uh, cloud people that are you know, building these new environments that are very dynamic, very automated. And security needs to be become part of this uh, elite group and, and fast. Otherwise, they will be chasing those changes endlessly. Any security requ requirement, segmentation not being an exception here, will need to be implemented as part of this group. 
In fact, it may require not only changing the way the security are working on in processes, but it may also require a change in the skills that security people need to have. In order to be part of this group, you need to know how to code. You need to know how to develop and implement your security intents and integrate this into the process of deploying those applications. Once again, thank you, Ariel, for sharing your thoughts and insights about how security leaders and architects can rethink segmentation to enable better security. Thank you again for having me. Thanks once more, Ariel. And listeners, I invite you to find related conversations on our website at ciotalknetwork.com. This is CTN Brandcast on CIO Talk Network. This CTN Brandcast is brought to you by Gardacore.